This podcast is brought to you by Blue Guardian, the fastest growing prop firm in 2023. The biggest thing, one of the biggest things for sure was when I figured out that... This is next level kind of thinking, right? This is stuff that I haven't actually got to in my mind of like a way to do it. So I think people can take a lot from this. That there is the crux of a lot of the issues I think people have with trading. Our sponsor Blue Guardian is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, we've got Cam Benson in the house here. Uh, Pips to Profits is what you go by. So welcome to the show, uh, Cam. Thank you for having me. It's going to be, uh, hopefully, hopefully there's going to be no annoyances here with two cams in the house, but um, I don't think there will be. Now, we're going to start off with um, finding out your journey. Now, I know you learned from a past guest who is kind of elusive, I suppose. I mean, I've tried to get him back on the show and I haven't heard anything back from him, but Stacey Burke um, is one of the guys. And I understand that you're the sort of person that can distill his stuff down so it's very easy to understand so i'm interested to see all of this stuff and how it all played out but first of all how did you get there what were the hurdles that you had to overcome to to make it as a trader uh there's been plenty just like many people you know found trading i actually found it through my fiance's brother-in-law and from there i was kind of under the impression that trading was really simple it was easy anybody could do it and i started to approach it with that kind of mindset and I, uh, I found out very quickly that's not the case. I had to do some more research and I ended up finding Stacy very early on in my journey, thankfully, to get me over the kind of the retail hurdle, you know, and, and start to find my way. It seems to be a thing like with people that tend to find the right thing for them early on. I mean, it, 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 it's kind of difficult, but honestly, how on earth did you do that? Just, to, just to start off the like interview how on earth did you find somebody who you've sort of thought okay well you know this this is the one i want to go and learn sure and i i was like many people doing research constantly through youtube and you know i went through all the retail stuff and uh, i found out very quickly like i said it doesn't work and i started how finding- did you how did you find how did you find out it didn't work the retail stuff what was, what was can you give us an example of that oh yeah uh emas trying to do like support and resistance uh, and not to say that that stuff doesn't work for some people, but for me personally, it just, it was, it was horrible. It didn't work for me at all. Um, very quickly learned about emotional trading, emotional behaviors, and that I needed to really just have a better education overall uh, in trading. So that led me to searching for the, uh, the magic answer, if you will. Okay. Um, so, so, so when teams like, I mean, were you just, when I say like you said, oh, they didn't work. I mean, what were you doing? Were you like back testing them or, or something to that effect? Sure. So I just went through uh, like EMA crossover strategies, uh, trying to go through a chart and find every area of support and resistance on that chart. And I would start off on like a higher time frame, like the monthly. I would draw, you know, my support and resistance zones on that monthly chart, and then I would just go down time frame to time frame. Uh, marking off support and resistance and then using EMAs, the crossover strategy in combination with the support and resistance. Um, and it just, every single time I would try, it would just go right through, you know, it would bounce off the level. I'd get in, it would just keep going. And I just didn't really have a really solid process to follow uh, to, you know, make the strategy work. 
Right. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, so that's that's where you realise. Okay, I need to find something that's closer to a mostly, you know, uh, hashtag Holy Grail. Um, exactly. Okay. So, what what happened then? So, you've you've obviously stumbled on Stacy's uh, stuff, or did, was there something else that came before that? Well, before Stacy, I actually found Steve Morrow with uh, Beat the Market Maker, and that was the first time where I was really, really interested in trading. You know, I had found the EMAs and I found the support and resistance, and it got me interested, but. Uh, finding Steve stuff, it kind of, it kind of gave me like a light at the end of the tunnel, and I kept on going through his stuff. And his videos are about four hours long each, so it took a while for me to get through them. And then finishing him up, and you know, doing notes and stuff like that. And I started going through YouTube trying to find more information. That's how I stumbled upon Stacy typing in things like "beat the market maker" or "market maker method," and then Stacy's videos popped up. And just out of interest, how close are the two methods? It seems like there's a lot of similarities. I think that the the main difference is that Steve still uses like the indicators, the EMAs, and uh, I didn't really dive too too much into Steve's because luckily, you know, I I found his stuff, and then in the in the process of trying to find more information, uh, I very quickly kind of got off of his and I I got hooked into Stacy's. But it does seem like there's a lot of similarities as far as like the three day cycle, the the um, the mentality of of size and stuff like that. And just out of interest, uh, again, have you ever done any ICT stuff? And is there, are there similarities in, in that if you have? So I, I very briefly found ICT and I, I had gone through just a, a bit about his structure, how he views the market with structure. And I'm not going to say that my my way of, of viewing structure is exactly the same as his, but that's who I actually learned market structure from was ICT. So I feel like I, I pull a lot from from him. As far as structure goes, that's kind of where I learned that, and then I, I've used that ever since. But other than other than the structure piece, I don't, I haven't really dabbled in ICT that much. Okay, okay, all right. So, so, um, so you found uh, beat beat the market maker method, St- uh, Stacy Burke. I mean, how did things progress from there? So once I found Stacy's content, um, I, I really was focused on his concept of trading from the high and low of the day. That was the first thing that I was focused on and where I actually started seeing some kind of consistency because it gave me a process. It gave me a place like you're only going to trade from this exact place. High of the day, low of the day, as in the current day, the lowest point, the you know, the price has traveled within the day. I was only taking trades from the extremes of the day. So my consistency seemed to go up because I had a more in process or a, a better process, I guess, for taking my trades. Uh, from there, I I started to dabble into some of his uh, his setups. Right, he starts talking about things like um, first red days and first green days, uh, but still, I didn't really have a good process, and I was still just learning the the setups. But where I started to really find more consistency is when I started applying my own rules and kind of putting my own uh, my own spin on things and creating a process for myself. And can can uh, you explain what a red and a green day is? Absolutely. So a first red day and a first green day, they're just flip-flopped. Uh, first red day is a day where it's actually a three-day setup. The first day of the first red day is usually a really large vertical pumping day, and that would just be labeled as a pump day. And then on the next day, you would have a day that broke above the previous day's high and then actually closed down below the opening price for that day. And then on the following day, you're basically looking to try and get a trade from the high of the day or like the high of the session that you plan on trading in. Uh, 
for a, a short trade down. And then if you were to flip that over and do a first green day, it would just be a, a really strong dumping day, a day that traded down below the uh, the previous day's low and then closed back up above the opening price. Um, on the following day, again, you're just looking to take a long trade from either the low of the day or the low of the session that you're trading in. Okay, interesting. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, uh, well, actually, a lot of you don't know. In fact, I think it, most of you don't know, but um, there was a, a lady did reach out to me via email a, probably a year or two ago, uh, and I don't know if she still listens to the show, but she said um, she had been, uh, uh, not a student, I don't know if she was a student or just a follower of, of, of Stacy, and mm-hmm. was at the point now where she was looking to invest half a million dollars in, in a broker, uh, and wanted some recommendations and said that, yeah, she'd turn into a full-time profitable trader based on his method um, alone. So it obviously is a, a very strong uh, approach. So, um, so you, 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 you know, you, you mastered this, you got to the point where you could, you know, see these patterns and, and mm-hmm. ex- or start to execute on them. And how did that go? How did you first sort of, you know, delve into trading on a demo or a live account go? So I was still trading on demo. I lost a bunch of money, like I said, in the beginning. And I started to realize, like I said, education, and I needed a a better plan for myself if I wanted to actually turn this into something. Uh, Continuing to lose money wasn't an option anymore. So I went on to demo. I was still in the Marine Corps. I served for about eight years. And the place that I was in, or currently stationed, I actually had a lot of free time. Uh, thankfully, to study and start practicing trading and stuff like that. So I was on demo and I was practicing the method. And basically what I started doing was I started a challenge for myself where if I trade profitably for two to three months, then I would be allowed to trade live money. And if I screwed up at any time, if I if I you know went into serious drawdown or I had some kind of bad psychology behavior, you know, I start doing impulsive bad behaviors with trading. I would have to start over back on day one. So if I was two months into my three-month challenge, I would say, okay, I need to go back to day one and start back over until I get profitable for two to three months on demo. And how did that go? I went back a lot. I went back a lot Um, because I I still hadn't mastered a process for myself. And I was still trying to, one, learn all the information practice all of the information. And then I, like I said, I didn't have a process. So I needed to take that extra step, take the information that I learned and then kind of make it my own. And so how, how long do you, would you say that that two to three months blew out to in the end to get to that Uh, consistency? It it actually took me about a year uh, before I started for one, when I passed the challenge, you know, I did two to three months. uh, I said, okay, I can go on live money, Uh, but it took me about a year to find some kind of consistency. And then, once I started with real money, I was pretty close to getting out of the Marine Corps and I'd already had uh, you know, a plan at that point. I was going to get out and trade full time. And that's why this plan was in place to do the two to three months, get profitable. Okay, go to live money, start trading while I'm still in the military, stress-free, and then get out and be able to do it full time. And so uh, when you said you, you, know, you, you had that consistency to, to get to the point where you go live, what did that entail for you from a two to three month growth point of view what what were you you know what were you happy with at the end of that maybe from a percentage percentage wise yeah on like on your demo account i was really just trying to pay the bills you know whatever if i was making it enough within my profitability to to pay the bills you know it was a a decent amount it wasn't one or two percent at the end of the three months because that's basically just breaking even you know i needed to at least 
excel past what it would take for me to pay bills uh, to be considered a full-time job. You know, I, I would need to actually pay bills. So, and so was it, was it, how, how big was the demo account? Was it a $10,000 account or? Yes, it was, it was $10,000 because that was, that was about the amount, the size of account that I had planned on by the time leaving the military that I'd be able to trade. Uh, okay. So what I did was on the demo account, I tried to make it as real as possible. I was going to use the same size that I was going to actually plan on trading with and then uh, go from there. And so, so um, two to three percent was one to three percent was wasn't going to be enough. What what was going to be enough for you at the at the end of a three month cycle? Um. So as far as like what what bills that I need to pay? Well, no. So what 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 account growth? Um. Did you did you think okay? Well, I need to get this kind of growth within this period of time to go okay. Well, I'm happy that I can go live. Or was it more the fact that? I wasn't underwater at the end of the two to three months. So therefore I can, I can afford to go live. Yep. So thankfully I actually had a plan, which I already kind of spoke about a little bit. You know, I had time to prepare. Uh, so thankfully I had quite a few months of, of money saved up uh, on top of my trading account that I would actually be able to use uh, to remove stress. And also, you know, if I didn't make enough with trading, if, if 10% was how much I was going to make per month, and that still wasn't quite enough to pay my bills. I still had money to fall back on. Um, in the beginning, I wasn't making you know, 10, 20% in a month or two months or whatever. Uh, so I wasn't quite paying my bills with that money. And uh, so it's good that I planned. And that, that's definitely something I would suggest to anybody who plans on doing this full time. Take that stress off of yourself, have a plan going forth and uh, you know, have a, something to fall back on. Okay. And can we get like an exact figure in terms of how much percent you made on the 10,000 and you were like, yep, I'm happy with that. If I made about 10% per month, I would, I would be, I happy mean, sorry, an me. exact figure in terms of like, you know, I made this much and I said, right, I'm going to go and trade live. It, it really wasn't a figure that I was looking for. It was more of just uh, exceeding. I, I wouldn't even put a, a number on it because I didn't really have one. It was more of just I've traded profitably and consistently over the course of three months without having bad uh, behaviors. Basically, I was more worried about the right. behavior than the actual uh, the the P and L piece. Right, folks, I'm here at the Black Bull Markets headquarters up in Auckland, New Zealand, and I'm standing in front of their whiskey bar. Now, if you like that kind of selection, you're going to love their 26,000 tradable assets from Forex, cryptos, indices, stocks, you name it, they've got it. So, folks, go and check them out at blackbullmarkets.com or click the link under the video or in the card above. Uh, okay, right. Okay, so you had you had consistent growth in the account. Okay, so, so let's... um. Let's dive into some of the stats on that, and then we can have a look at like what happened when you went live. So, I mean, in terms of the stats on that, sort of like consistent. What was that for you? What did that look like? As far as like win oh, like rate, win and rate, and you know, uh, win rate, um, uh, like the uh, risk to reward ratio that you're kind of getting, that kind of thing. Sure, my my uh, average risk to reward. I don't know what exactly it was in the beginning. Uh, I've actually started calculating it more accurately now using, uh, you know, online tools or whatever you call it, the uh, the journaling tools that tell you like how much PL and all that stuff that you make risk to reward. Uh, as of right now, my average risk to reward is one to three, and my average win rate is usually between sixty and seventy percent. 
Okay, cool. So that's that's kind of really good, really good numbers there, right? So that that that's mm-hmm. solid. If you're winning one to uh, sixty to seventy seventy what seventy to eighty percent at one to three, that's solid because usually one you know you only need to win thirty three percent to to make money on a mm-hmm. one to three R straight strategy. Now, does that is that like a fixed target kind of thing, or how flexible is that ta- that risk to reward? You know, with break evens and not quite reaching it for you, move your stop to trail it or something like that. I mean, how realistic is the one to three? I would say it's it's very realistic. Um, I, my average target is I don't like to go less than one to three. I'll take one to two, but the thing is, I I keep my stops very very tight. Even on gold, uh, oil, Nasdaq, those kind of pairs, I will I will use ten to fifteen pip stop, and I still have that 30, 50, 50 plus. PIP target. So my risk to reward remains pretty good. And then on currency pairs, I can usually get my my stop down to either three to five pips. Uh, so I'm trading off the one minute chart and kind of finessing a really good entry. So risk to reward, um, it's a little bit easier, I would say. Mm, yeah. And I'm, I'm not too, I'm really not too focused on how many pips did I get. I'm more worried about what risk to reward did I get, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, um, so okay, that's that's uh, that's interesting, and it is easier to get like higher risk rewards when you are down on that lower you know time mm. frame if you are keeping a tight stop. Because I know there are other traders that will trade the one minute but have a wide stop anyway, and it's like, well, you're kind of just using the one minute to get in, but you're just mm. trading a higher time frame kind of uh, strategy. So, um, all right, so you went live. How did how did that go from an emotional point of view? It was nerve wracking. And I'll admit I had to go back to demo uh, because I had, again, I went into it with a good plan. I think that that was one thing that really stood apart. It stood me apart probably from other people is I'm not saying that other people don't go into it with a good plan, but I executed my plan to the T. Uh, So I went live and I said, okay, when I go live first two to three weeks, I'm actually just going to trade really small. Um, I'm going to trade way smaller than I was on the demo. And I'm going to get used to the the feeling of live money. I'm not going to you know go into it with any sort of different emotional feelings. It's the same thing, different day kind of thing. Uh, but sure enough, uh, a thousand cuts, right? It'll 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 get you. So after a few cuts, I went back to demo for a bit. And uh, can, can you remember like what the what the reason was around you know getting cut so many times? What what were the what were you doing wrong? It was all psychology. Um, I was I wasn't following my process anymore. I told myself I'm going to follow the same exact thing that I was just doing last week, and then I would ex- do exactly the opposite of what I was doing last week. Um, I was just jumping in to get in, uh, taking trades. That's that's always been kind of my bad behavior is just jumping in, uh, saying, "Oh my my stop's tight anyways. It doesn't matter. I'll just get in." You know that was kind of my bad behavior. Um, and was that like after oh, I'm the only- setup had already sort of played out, and you're like, "Well." I'm already too late, but I'll come up with some some kind of scenario to let me get in so that I, can, I don't miss it. And I mean, was that sort of the, the thinking that was going on? It was both. It was the trades already played out. There's that one. And then there was also, it's just, I'm at the extreme. I'm at the high of the day. Mm. I haven't seen everything that I want to see, but I'm just going to get in because this seems like the place where it would it would go from. And that's obviously the uh, the wrong mentality to have. I needed to see, I have a checklist now that I follow to the T and if I don't see every step of that list, there's no trade for me. And it's almost like you, you, you kind of need to go through that process, don't you? To, 
to have that experience to then understand that you're going to trick yourself. You're going to trick yourself for, for whatever reason. You will trick yourself that this is the time to get in when you know full well it's not. Um, okay, so you went from live back to demo. So that how did where did it go from there? It actually went really well. So from that point, it was very obvious to me that if I continued doing exactly what I had just done, I was going to fail very early on. Uh, so within a couple of weeks, I fixed my behavior. I went back to live, and then I've I've never gone back, gone back since. Um, I've I've just stuck to it ever since. Right, and it was literally that. It was just sticking to what you planned exactly. to do. And so, like on a trading week, like when you went back to live, what what would that entail from a time commitment, um, routine commitment, and like mm-hmm. number of trades per session or however you do it? What what did that look like? My normal trading day is, well, I only trade the New York session. And my New York session trades between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if I get up in the morning, you know, I, I usually have done my analysis the night before. I only trade about nine pairs total. Um, I will only look at three pairs per day, max, max three to four. And then I'll narrow it down to one or two coming into the session. And then from there, I will watch that first hour trade at eight o'clock to nine o'clock and I'll see kind of what happens. And then in that middle hour with between nine and 10, uh, the equity market will open 930 and I'll try to just take my best trade that I possibly can between nine and 10, one or two trades. And that's it. On one of those one or two pairs, one to three pairs, I'll take one or two trades and then I'll be done for the day. And uh, if it goes all the way to where I expect, great. If it only goes, you know, one to one or one to two, or I lose the trade, either way, I'm, I'm just going to be done for the day. Okay. And when you say when it goes to one to one, one to two, and you've said you wouldn't take less than one to three, I mean, how does that, because people will ask, so I'm asking you now, um, sure. how does that sort of play out? So what's the thinking there? Like it only went one to one. What does that mean? I usually go into trade setups with the expectation or the hopes, you know, that it will go a certain distance, not based off of, I hope that it will go one to three or one to five or whatever. Uh, but I look at the, the price action. I'm a price action trader. I look at the candles and I look at the levels and based off the actual setup that I'm looking at. So if it's like we discussed earlier, the first red day or the first green day and based off market structure, if it said, you know, if the structure is telling me that it should go 40 pips uh, and that's a maybe a one to four risk to reward for me, then that's kind of what I'm shooting for. It's based off of the chart. It's not based off of what I hope to get. So if it only gives me a one-to-one and then the market starts to flip back around, I'm just going to take, I'm going to take that one-to-one risk to reward and call it a day. Uh, basically just giving what the what the market gives me and then being grateful and moving on to the next day. Okay. So so if you see the setup of the day is the good, the good setup that you're looking for, it's only going to get off a of one-to-one you're going to go, okay, right, I've made the decision. It's one-to-one. I'm going to take profit at one-to-one and I'll move on. Maybe another trade, maybe not. We're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so so how do you deal with that from like an emotional point of view of, but I know I can get a one-to-three trade on other days. How do you deal with that? That's where I would say that experience starts to, to kick in, where in the past I've had those bad behaviors. Um some of my worst trades, I would say, were when I took a one-to-one, for example, and I just took it and I was, I, I took the trade. It was a good trade. It just didn't go as far as I expected. But then I went and I searched for more. 
right? And I, I started searching for, oh, well, I, I just need to wait a little bit longer and trying to get that one to five or you know whatever it may be. And then I kept trading. And that's why I only take one or two trades a day because some of my worst behaviors will come after I continue to trade. Uh, the longer I get into the session, the more likely I am to start kind of capitulating the account. Right. Yep. Uh, and and so, do you ever think like, and this is probably this is something a lot of traders do, right? Is oh, one to one, I'm going to just take partials, and you know, I'll move the stops to break even, and then they might end up like you know, winning four trades, uh, all get out half half at one to one, and then the rest at break even. So really, you're only two hour up, then you lose two, and you're back to break even again. So. Do you, how do you how do you get around the fact that you could take partials at one to one and hold it? Uh, I actually I will do that at a lot of times um, because of how tight my stops are. What I find is that if I get to one to one or one to two or even, you know a lot of times one to three is usually where I'll the first place I'll take partials. But once I take partials or once I hit a certain risk to reward, I will go to break even, uh, and I don't care what's happening in the chart, I will go to break even at that point because the fact that I'm up a certain risk to reward to allow the market to come back and stop me out for a full loss, but just in my mind, it doesn't, it didn't work for me. Uh, so I started taking partials one to two, one to three, go to break even. If it pulls back a little bit and does not stop me out, I'll start to pyramid into positions to basically try to size in more uh, or go back to full size and allow the trade to play out the rest of the way. But my mentality, I feel like I'm very uh, conservative when it comes to to profits, and um, it's all about risk to reward to me. And if yeah. if the reward is there, I'm going to take what I can. And if I if it comes back and stops me out at break even, it's kind of one of those things where I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, market. You know, I'll come back and do it again tomorrow for, and hopefully it'll work out better. And and can you give us an example of how you would scale out from like a percentage point of view? scaling out as far as like if the if it was going against me or if it was going for me if it was going for you um and i guess if it was going against you because i didn't realize you might scale out if it goes against you but yeah if it was going for you when would you what would you take like as a 90 percent at the first first option or to, to scale out or 50 percent? so i i scale in to all positions um i never go in with full size on the first position i'll, I'll go in with maybe half size or quarter size <clears throat> on that first entry. And then if the candles start going, if it starts going my way, I will add in to whatever size I plan to be, you know, at full size. Um, and then from that point, if it goes a certain distance, I will take about 25 to 50% of the position off. Uh, if it's a, a larger trade setup that I've uh, identified as a larger trade setup. So like first red day, first green day, low of week, high of week, uh, high of month, low of month kind of trades that I plan to stay in that trade longer because not all of my trades are scalps. Some of them are for the larger swing. Uh, if it's a larger trade like that, I will scale in and then I will also pyramid in further. Uh, basically at break even, I'll, I'll look at my average price that I've entered, go to break even. And then on pullbacks, I'll enter in further for the, the larger swing. And then to answer your question about scaling out when positions are going against me, um, I have a trade management tool. So whenever things, if I get into a position and immediately were to flip back around, you know, with my tight stops, a lot of times when I enter in the way that my entry criteria is set up, it should immediately go in my favor. So when that does not happen and it starts going back, like it's going to take my stop anyway, I don't ever let a position hit me at full stop. I'll start closing half, 
if it keeps going closer to my stop, I'll close half again. Uh, trying to take a small loss as humanly possible uh, before it takes me out. And that is probably like one of the hardest things to do because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you're accepting the fact that you, you're actually, I'm, I'm going to take a loss versus have it happen to you. I mean, do you wait for candles to close to confirm that you're going to exit some of the position or do you just go at a certain, you know, if your stops, let's say 10 pips at five pips, you go, I'm out of half the position because I just, you know, I don't, I don't expect it to go this low. How do you do it? So for example, exactly what you just said, if I was in a short position and I had a five pip stop, I'm not going to wait for a candle to close because that one candle could just come all the way back up and take me out. So I, I got to a point where I really accept the fact that they're, they, the, the trade setup is supposed to do this and it's not performing the way that I expected when I entered. So I'm just going to close half. And if it begins to, you know, I just maybe need to wait or something, you know, if it were to go back and take me out, I might need to wait and I can size back into that trade if it continues to confirm, right? Maybe there's a second or third push and I just read it wrong. I'll size back into that trade once it starts to reconfirm. Okay, right. So so there's a chance to to take, sorry, there's a chance to um, get back in, which is makes sense, right? So you haven't necessarily killed the whole trade, which mm-hmm. is I think what a lot of people might think, okay, well, I'm taking, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking position uh, percentage off the account. Sorry, I'm taking some money off the trade in a loss. So I'm done. But you're saying, no, I'm only done for that little bit. I can still get back in. It is, it is, this is next level. This is next level kind of thinking, right? This is stuff that I haven't actually got to in my mind of like, a way to do it. So I think people can take a lot from this. Um, it's fantastic. Folks, if you're looking for an automated trade journal or trade copier, then check out my sponsor, Swift Journal. They connect to your MetaTrader 4 or 5 broker or prop firm and give you amazing insights into your trading. To get 20% off, click the link in the description and use coupon code TRADINGNUT. Let's just dive back a little bit into finding out what um, what made you different from other people at the beginning of your trading journey. What do you think made you profitable versus someone else who's out there not profitable? Well, I think that a lot of it comes back to the education piece that we talked about earlier. The fact that I found somebody to teach kind of, I was a blank slate. I was a completely blank slate and I found the person that I wanted to learn from. So the education came from one person, pretty much my entire trading journey. Instead of, you know, some people who will spend years trading five different direct, you know, five different directions, five different strategies. um, I kind of just stuck to the one. And I think that that probably made me stand kind of away from everyone else. Mm. And then also the fact that I went into things with such a a, a good plan. Uh, I tried to make it as stress-free for myself as possible. You know, the demo account trading challenge, the fact that I I had set a cushion for myself. I had uh, told myself, you're not going to trade live money until you're profitable and all those things. I think that I just set it up really well for myself to kind of find success instead of I'm just going to trade small with live money and then I'm just going to keep doing that. And then it kind of doesn't work. And then uh, don't really have a plan. You kind of strategy hop around Uh, creating a process for myself. The biggest thing, one of the biggest things for sure was when I figured out that I needed to learn information from somebody but that I would never be able to replicate that information exactly the way that they do it because I can't see through their eyes, through their brain. And I needed to take that and I needed to make it my own, create my own process and then trade it that way. That is probably one of the best 
a bit, I suppose, bits of advice or quotes from this uh, interview. I'm not saying the rest of it's bad, but this, this, that, that there is the crux of a lot of the issues I think people have with with trading is taking that advice from somebody else who knows what they're doing, who can get you like, you know, 90% of the way there, but then making it your own somehow, whatever for whatever means. And it kind of goes against the logical thinking of the human mind, right? In terms of you, you sort of think, well, if, if I just follow exactly what they're doing and they're mm-hmm. doing well, then I should do well. But for whatever random reason, it just doesn't work. If you, I don't know. What, can Have you got any sort of insight into why it doesn't work? And I really do think it boils down to the fact that even when I explain things to other people right now, I can see the 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 glaze come over their eyes because I understand what I'm saying. But if I don't explain it in a way, you know, seven different ways, a lot of times other people won't understand. So if I explain it one way um, over and over again, uh, the audience, the other people are going to, they're not going to see it through my eyes, right? So when you take the information and you take all of the rules-based pieces of that information, and then you you can apply those rules because it's very laid out, but then there's a lot of things sometimes where there's gaps and you just need to fill those gaps. And I, I think that's really the best way to go about it. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've had mentors before where they're like, um, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. Da-da-da-da. This happens, A, B, C, mm-hmm. D. And then you go, well, like, what, what happened in this situation? And then, you know, they go, oh, yeah, well, when there, I, I decided to to um, scale back in uh, when I was in drawdown. And in fact, I got out for a break even there. Well, you never told me that. Uh, mm. Why didn't you tell me that? Well, because there's so much that I need to tell you. Um, okay. So it's discretionary. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So so um, I didn't ask a question that the nine markets that you trade, What can you just list them off for us? Sure. So I, I look at indexes, but I will specifically mostly just look at NASDAQ. Uh, I do glance at the S&P uh, Dow 30, you know, the US 30. Um, but I, I usually just focus on the NASDAQ and then I will look at gold, oil. Those are usually my three big ones. Those are the ones that I look at every single day consistently, no matter what, because I've found that five days a week, 80 to 90% of the time, I will find a setup on one of those pairs every single day. They just consistently provide enough movement for me to uh, create some kind of thesis about them and then trade them. Uh, but what I will do is I will take uh, another basket of instruments. I look at uh, pound yen, uh, dollar yen, uh, pound dollar. Oh, well, I'm going to have to count these out. <laughs> the um, CAD dollar, USD, or sorry, USD CAD, uh, basically the majors. I basically look at the majors, yeah. um, one or two minors, but uh, it just keeps it really easy because if I have those three and then I have six others, to look at and i just have to pick one of them whichever one's setting up the best that's it just narrows it down really well for you okay and and it, could could you trade this approach in the london session or asian session absolutely absolutely these setups yeah. they apply to every session it's just a matter of which session does the setup actually present itself to you and how does it present it you know how does the market present that setup to you in your session because sometimes, and a lot of times, uh, a big reason that I trade New York is because the whole day will turn into some kind of order flow buildup, like Asia, London will turn into a high and a low, build some kind of box, and then New York will manipulate that box. Or uh, Asia will build a box, London will break out of that box, and then still, New York is still the larger trade for the day. Uh, but it could still be applied in every session. You just have to 
base everything off of structure and of course the larger setup within the week. Now, now going back to uh, talking about everyone sort of seeing the the setup differently and trying mm-hmm. to make it their own. I mean, how do you how do you get this across to people that are trying to copy what you do that they need to sort of take it and make it their own? And in what aspect or what sort of things have you seen people do to make it their own that are different from what you do, if you have seen any? I actually, well, I see mostly people trying to, I'm not going to say copy, but they they do try for the most part to um, do the same things. But I, I always try to tell people exactly what I just said is like, make it your own. That's where you're going to find success. Uh, you know, take the information, make it your own. Uh, but what I try to do to to help people visualize is I always just create scenarios. I think that my brain, I categorize information and I I put things in scenarios. Uh, so like first red day and first green day, the days that where they'll close below the open or above the open or whatever, I have two scenarios that will play out in the next day. And there's two scenarios and then an invalidation. And if one of those scenarios is not playing out in my session, then I don't have a trade. Or if it's invalidated, then obviously I don't have a trade either. So for every trade setup that I am trying to find, I always have uh, scenarios that I look at where the trade actually plays out. And then I always have an invalidating scenario as well, where this is what would happen if the trade was not going to play out. Because I think it's actually more important to know when not to take the trade than it is to take, you know, when to know when to take the trade, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, no, it does make sense. There's a lot to do with that, I think, in terms of, um, you know, a simple strategy or a strategy, any kind of strategy is really only as good as the ones that I suppose the rules that tell you not to trade that strategy when the setup mm-hmm. appears. Now, what about like, it seems, you know, to me that you're very much a, um, you know, you've got some special skills here in terms of you're very kind of process orientated, mm-hmm. methodical, mechanical with what you do, not just on the charts, but also off the charts. I mean, how did you categorize your note taking your sort of like all this information so that it was usable workable for you and you know not just lost in a, on a scrap of paper somewhere right so i actually use two different categories for how i kind of view and process information as far as trading goes um i have it as like pull, uh, bullet point a which is just the overall setup. So like we just talked about first red day and first green day, that would be, for example, an overall setup. And then all the other supporting things that go into trading, such as like uh, three pushes and market structure and um, psychology of candles, looking for trap traders, trap volume, those kind of things. That's all supporting information that can help me to identify the trade and also to identify where I'm going to take the trade. Uh but that's how I kind of I kind of separate things is like, okay, I I know that this is my overall setup. And then these are the tools that I need to actually find where I'm going to take that trade from and then how I'm going to accomplish that trade based off of you know which one of the scenarios is playing out. Okay. Okay. So so it is uh, hierarchical. And is and just from like a technical point of view, how are you doing this? Is it through like a PowerPoint presentations or Notion or something like that or a trade journal. Like as far as like how am I how am I how, how you them? how you how are you collating all this information that you use? What's your sort of backlog of like trading educational information for yourself to get you to the point where things are all like 
categorized down? Is it a notebook? Oh no, it's it's all slideshows. I use uh, Google Slides and uh, and actually I use a, a a binder. That was actually some of the one of the biggest things I would probably tell to new people trading is that um, the thing that helped me the most is I created trade binders and I would categorize each setup in that binder. And I would just have a ton of pictures. And I took this binder with me everywhere. I would take it to work, uh, you know, in the car. I just study this thing all the time. And it's basically my way of kind of seeing what right looks like all the time. Um, and then becoming an absolute professional at telling a story on the chart. A lot of people, what I've found is that people really struggle with talking to themselves out loud. And, you know, I look at the chart and I talk to myself out loud and go, okay, this has happened here. This has happened there and getting really good at charting out your thoughts on the chart and then printing it and putting it in a sleep protector, putting it in a binder. That way you can go back, you know, six months down the road and see what was I thinking here. It seems to be a skill that a lot of people uh, just don't have, or maybe they just don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's some really interesting stuff. Really interesting. A binder. And what, what gave you the thought to do, put it in a binder? I mean, what, what was the original like genesis around that? I really wish I had a fancy answer other than I just thought of it. Um, uh, I just thought, <clears throat> what's the best way that I can carry this around with me all the time? And uh, that's the way that I kind of came up with. It's kind of a bit of a low-tech answer, but it, it worked really well for me. And it kind of, you know, I read a lot of books um, when I was still, you know, learning to trade books from, uh, they were actually Stacy's recommendations about, you know, Schaubacher, uh, Edwards and McGee, these books that were written back in the 30s about technical analysis. And um some of the things they talked about in there were they would they would get more in tune with the market by by drawing their charts out on paper because that's how they did it back then was they would you know draw up the candlesticks, which that actually is kind of what got me into thinking like oh if I if I chart all this stuff out enough times I'm probably going to remember it. it gets you more in tune with the market. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there's been quite a few people that have had had hand paper, um, whatever kind of uh, reference points where they've been able to go and it just drills it into your mind for whatever reason versus it's seeing on a computer screen. Um, mm -hmm. That's why I asked the question. Now, this one's slightly different, but because you're on a lower time frame, obviously uh, spread and slippage is usually an issue. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? And has it ever been an issue? And how do you enter your trades? Are you market order or limit stop order? How does that look? Uh, so I still have my management or my uh, trade management tool. I actually don't really use it that often to get into the trades because I kind of calculate on the fly. I know how much you know per lot, what uh, you know how much the pip is worth. So I kind of calculate on the fly if I'm risking ten pips. Um, I kind of know how much I'm about to risk. However, I do use trade management tool for um, you know, like I said, closing full, closing half. Uh, getting to break even and all this stuff. Um, but what about like what about the spread and slippage? I mean, are you because usually if you've got a stop order on a on a lower mm -hmm. time frame, you're going to get slipped. Like, you know, if the trade's going in your direction, especially because everyone's seeing the setup and going, great, well, let's get in, mm -hmm. and price is going to zip through your order and push your order up like a pip or two or half a pip or whatever, and your stop's going to stay in the same place. So now you're indirectly risking more than what right. you expected to because you've been slipped and to get to your one hour target because you're on a one minute time frame you may have already like 
you know, you half, you might be halfway there because mm. you're only going for, you got a three pip stop. You're going for like three pips or six pips and you've been mm. slipped two. You've got no room plus the commission and the spread. You've got to make um, all that back. How mm. does, I mean, have you ever had any issues with it? And, and if so, how have you overcome them? I actually only had issues with that maybe once or twice. And that was because I was trading a little bit too, not before the news, not for the news. That That's not what I do. I never trade before the news. Uh, but I was trading a little bit too close to the news, uh, you know, a couple minutes afterwards. And I did have an issue with slippage there, but that was like, I could count that on one hand. You know, it's only happened a couple of times, but nine times out of 10, I will enter with a market order. Uh, and my process for entry is so um, kind of methodical and rules-based that once that candle prints and the moment that timer is on like one second, I'll just press the button uh, to either buy or sell because uh, right. it's confirmed at that point. And then whatever happens on that next candle happens. So you're so you're waiting for the close of a one minute candle and then you're basically well, just prior to it, you're going 59 seconds, bang, I'm buying or selling. And then exactly. Yeah. And then you'll move your stop at that point, will you, to wherever you want to put the stop. I'm just exactly the moment. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the moment I click that button, I'm putting a stop order in there. Uh, basically, to if that next candle were to flip around and go straight down, or something crazy, maybe I missed a news announcement or whatever. You know, it it anything can happen. The first thing I always do is put that stop there. I don't use a mental stop. Um, that's just something I've never done. Yeah. So yeah, that, that meant I'll put that stop there in place, and then manage the trade from there. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, uh, it's, you know, answering my questions there, which is good. Now, um, what about thinking about a price chart? If there was three things you'd recommend a novice trader educate themselves on to get started in this, what would it be? What would they be? Structure. Structure is number one. And this is one of the biggest things that I see that people struggle with the most is they say they understand swing highs and they understand swing lows. But then once, they actually get into it or people start getting into it. Or even when I got into it, I realized I didn't have a way to actually define a swing low or a swing high. So I put in you know, a place, a process for myself to identify those levels and then identifying like just relevant structure in general. Where are my uh, major swings? Where's my minor swings? What does that even mean? How do I even use those? So structure is definitely number one because in trading, I think structure is probably the number one most important aspect of trading uh, without it you're kind of nothing so um, or at least your strategy in general um, and then number two is something that people a lot of people don't even think about is just the clock the time of day and the reoccurring behaviors that candles have at certain times of the day so opening and closes of 15 minute candles one hour candles four hour candles daily candles um, when you're coming into a new hour within your session, those times have a lot of significance and I had no idea. And once I figured that out, I started feeling weird taking time, you know, trades at certain times of the day, because a lot of times they're traps. Uh, there's no volume in the market. You're sitting there wondering why it's not moving. Uh, that was a huge thing for me was understanding the clock in general. And then I kind of already said it, but just becoming a real professional at, um, you know, charting just charting 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 and basically telling a story for yourself don't just sit there quietly and stare at your candlesticks going up and down 
because you have no idea what you're waiting for. You need to be able to tell yourself a story as the market's playing out and say, this is exactly what I'm waiting for. If the market does this, then I will do this. And then whenever that happens, you just execute exactly how you planned, you know, go into things with a plan and just execute. Mm. Um, and can I ask you, do you use multi-timeframe analysis with what you're doing now? I only use the 15 minute and the one minute. And I have an understanding of what's happening on t uh, higher timeframes because I have previous weekly levels up on my chart. So like the previous week's high, the previous week's low, previous month, previous day. So I'm tracking the daily timeframes using those levels, but I stay down on the lower timeframes on the 15 minute. All of my analysis, all of my thesis, uh, all of my trade setups are going to show up on the 15 minute chart and it keeps it very consistent, uh, You know, finding the setups because it's all going to be on that one timeframe. Because how? What's your sort of average time that a trade will run for? My average time right now, I actually looked at it yesterday, is about five minutes. Oh really? Uh, I'm in, I'm in about five minutes. Sometimes it's more. You know, that's just an average over quite some time. But uh, average is about five minutes. Sometimes it'll be fifteen minutes. Sometimes it'll be an hour. Mm. But you know, an hour would be a longer swing, a larger swing. Um, but like I said, these trades, especially trading the Nasdaq, gold, oil. I mean, that those markets can go 25, mm. 50 pips in three minutes like it's nothing. Mm. Um, so being in for five minutes for me, when a trade should just go my direction, it, it's not unusual. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like lower time frames and, and that. Um, so, and so it also makes sense in terms of like you want to see that trade going in your direction to start mm. off with and not going into drawdown. Um, now, what about like some mindset hacks? Have you come up with any? Do you use any? As far as like trading psychology, uh, yeah. definitely sticking to those one to two trades a day, uh, not trading before the news because in, from this strategy uh, standpoint and from mine as well as kind of gambling, you know, you, you don't want to be in front of the news because anything could happen. Um, really deep diving into psychology though, it's don't revenge trade. And I know that sounds like such a, a silly thing to say because anybody can say it and just do whatever, but uh don't just get back into a trade one minute after you exit. Uh, that's kind of what my my rule of thumb is, is sit back, go look, see what's happening. If you take two losses in a day, I get up, go outside, you know, throw the ball for my dog, do something other than trade, uh, come back maybe 15 minutes, an hour later and see what may have developed between where you took that trade and then, uh, because you might be an hour off, you know, within a three hour session, I'm only focusing on that middle hour, but sometimes especially with like oil, uh, that third hour, a lot of times will come into play. So that's a big one. Um, yeah, that's, that's those cool. Are the that, that's cool. Yeah. Me. So basically, I, mean, I think that's the main one there is if you take a loss, just get out of the, get out of the, away mm -hmm. from the screen, away from the charts, do something different. Um, all right, we're going to do a quick fire round here and then wrap this thing up. So how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? About one year, one year. Uh, do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Uh, I can't remember the exact names of the books, but Edwards and McGee, um, Schaubacher, those are the authors. And those are basically the trading dictionary, if you will, or the trading uh, quote unquote Bible. Uh, they were written way back when. So everything's just kind of regurgitated from there. Uh, but definitely that's like the main source of everybody's information. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? 
Look folks, I know you want the answer to this question. Which broker is this trader using? Now, the answer has been sponsored by Black Bull Markets. So to find the answer out, you're gonna need to go over to tradingnut.com, find the show notes page for this guest, and then all will be revealed. Do you wanna walk us through uh, the worst ever trade you've had? Worst ever trade, um, thankfully was on demo, but, and also when I first started trading, uh, I started off trading Bitcoin and I was still in the, as it goes against me, add in phase. And I went from a very hefty, you know, 3000 balance down to uh, almost nothing very quickly by doing that on Bitcoin. So that was, that was a rough learning experience for me. Um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, definitely just take your time, stay humble. The moment you think that you figured it out, the market will very sharply remind you that you have not figured it out. We are always learning every single day, always taking lessons. And as long as you're trading, you'll continue to take lessons every single day until you're done trading. Brilliant. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? I'm sorry, what was that last piece? Uh, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Definitely through my Discord link or my email. Uh, PrestonCam158 at gmail.com. And also my Discord links are in my YouTube videos, which is Pip to Profit, uh, Pips to Profit, obviously on YouTube. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Cam for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Cam in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners a trading happiness and success. In fact, you might want to search for Cam Benson because I'm probably going to appear in that search box plenty of times as well. All right, guys, thank you for watching. There we go, folks. Interview done and dusted with Cam. Now, do remember we shot a video after this. Head over to the YouTube channel. Go and check it out. He breaks down his one-minute trading strategy in about four minutes. So really quick breakdown, great for you to increase that trading knowledge. Also, we've got the live streams over there on the YouTube channel. So hit subscribe whilst you're there. Go and check them out. We've got about five traders going through the Blue Guardian Challenge live. You're going to see them in London, New York, and Asia uh, over the course of the week. So if you're needing some support during those trading sessions, it's a great place to go. Other things, we've got the Mystery Trader dropping on the Telegram Trades Ideas channel very soon. So if you're not over there, if you're not subscribed to that channel, go and subscribe to that channel this is going to be awesome um we can't wait till this drops so we've got a mystery trader who will be revealed at some point in the future on the show all right folks that's it so have a great trading week and we'll see you next time tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts introducing my robot builders club with our platform you can build bots in minutes not weeks without any coding required get lifetime access to my video course vip community and over 40 ready-made robots works with mt4 or mt5 and as a bonus you'll get three months access to my robot lab where we build and test bots on live calls every week join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter not harder click the link in the description to learn more get the free training and download a free robot.